You're listening to the Honestly Unfiltered Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Honestly Unfiltered Podcast. Today I am here with Rebecca Johnson. Rebecca, welcome hey. back. <laughs> it took me a minute. No, like, it took me I a minute. Hey? I lost my train of thought. On my road trip, I I, I think I posted on social media that it was just going to be a joke that I was going to put um, in chalk paint. Mm-hmm. Honk once if you're a widow or twice if you want or you wish you would. And I <laughs> forgot to do it. But then halfway like there... I stopped at like a Walmart so I could walk around and take a break or whatever. And I did get the chalk paint and I did put it on the windows. Honk, honk once if you're a widow, honk twice if you wish you were. And how many did you get that were honking twice? No, no one honked at all. <laughs> but You weren't in the right state, apparently. Apparently. But I did get so many people driving like creeping up to the side in like <laughs> the side view mirror you can see that they're trying to keep up with me like they're speeding up and slow down. <laughs> down and they're reading it thinking and then when they would ride by I would just turn around and I would <laughs> they would start laughing it was it was funny it that was is funny that is hilarious the last time we talked you were getting ready to go on the road trip Yes. How yes. was that? I know you made it like all the way across from North Carolina, all the way to California and back and then some. Yes, it was. Um, it was a very emotional trip. I cried the Aww. whole time. I kid you not. I cried the entire time. I cried on the road. I cried when I got there. I cried on the way back. It was it was very it was very emotional. I think I needed that. I needed, I needed to get away and I needed to process like where I'm at, where I want to be, um, just who I am in general. But yeah, it was, it was a crying fest, but it was fun. But maybe it was good to release all of that, as they say, you know, in psychology. <laughs> it was, it was, I think so. <laughs> now I'm home and I just want to cry again. <laughs> I want to leave. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I feel you there. <laughs> I, 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 one of the things that stuck out from my trip, and I thought it was hilarious that you brought the wind, you brought the winter to Arizona. Does it normally snow there? Well, I was in Flagstaff, right? Um, so up north, they do like in the Grand Canyon area, they do get winters and they do get snows, but apparently they got record snows record temperatures like 20 30 degree weather um some mornings we woke up to two feet of snow like it would snow and then it would all melt and it would snow again and it would all melt and it would snow again and it would just keep snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing and everybody blamed me they're like you came (laughs) you said you wanted a winter experience in flagstaff and they're like, damn, it won't <laughs> stop snowing. I'm like, hey, are we going to get snow snacks? And they're like, what are snow snacks? I'm like, you know, when it snows and they shut everything down, you go to the store, you get snacks, you hunker down and you just eat and watch the snow. And they're like, well, first of all, it doesn't shut down here when it snows. And I'm like, okay, we're going to the store in that. <laughs> and and they're like, yeah, there, there's no such thing as snow snacks. And I'm like, that's like our version of a hurricane party. It is. You know, everything shuts down. You go get snacks. You get your whatever you're drinking. If you're a drinker, you, you know, you hunker down. You put you put the shutters up and you're there until you're waiting for the power to go out. Right. You're right. With your snacks well, and your cooler and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> but here we get. So, I mean, you're in the warm weather, too. So here we get the um, the indication mm-hmm. that there might be snow. Right. Because you're just and, north enough where it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're at snow snacks. It doesn't even matter if it's just a a sprinkle. 
And that's probably because people there aren't, you know, I don't know if in North Carolina anyone is really used to the snow. Well, I guess not. No, I say that because when I was a kid growing up in New Jersey, when it would snow, we'd have snowstorms. We, it would be they would shut down school, there no work, and the roads were closed, and so yeah, so we would have snow snacks too. In the mountains, yeah. in the western part of North Carolina, okay. they get snow. Okay, but where I'm at, we don't really get it. You're in Raleigh, right? It's like it's uh, south of Raleigh, okay, just a little south. So we don't really get much, just enough to cover the ground. I have decided I definitely don't like the cold weather. Or the snow. I, I want to be somewhere warm. <laughs> I love the cold. I used to. I used to absolutely love the cold weather. And I used to say, I want to live in where it's winter and snow. But now as I've gotten older, I can't tolerate it. It hurts. Like if I, it's really, really cold. Like I still freeze everybody out here in the house when I drop the air to 72. But if it's a certain coldness or outside, like my bones hurt or my hands, the nerves, in my hands hurt. So it's, <laughs> so it's like an oxymoron, you know, I want to be cold, but my body can't take it. So here I am <laughs> stuck in Florida. <laughs> Maybe Arizona will like, be my next stop. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like it cold in the house and I like the fan on and I like the air down. Yeah. And also like lots of blankets. Yes. Yes. Me and too. And a hoodie. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. I wear a hoodie all day long. I almost put it on today, but I decided I'd just go with the sweater instead. <laughs> me too, me too. My husband will always say, like, I'll, I'll ask him, well, do you want to come in the living room and watch a movie with me? And he's like, no, I'm going to stay here in the bedroom. And I'm like, why? Because it's freezing out there. And he's like, under the blankets. I'm like, well, then put a hoodie on or something. or Get dressed like you're in your, you know, your basketball shorts and no shirt. And he's like, well, that defeats the purpose. Like, why would I wear a hoodie in the house? I'm like. He's like, why are you wearing a hoodie in the house? Why, if you're freezing, why, why, why are we all freezing? Like it's because you don't understand because then I'm too hot. It's called the change of life. Look it up. I'm not quite there yet. I've, I've refused. I have um, refused to participate in menopause. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it. I don't blame you. I'm just going to skip it. Mine was over before I knew it started. Oh, that's. That gives me something to look forward to. Yeah. Nice. I didn't think it was that terrible. Um, but of course, now mm. I'm on, on the other side of it uh, at the time, in the moment. Mine started off with I didn't get my period. And I didn't get it for three or four months. And then, like, I would get it, like, every six months. I, w I would joke that my friend dog was was it wasn't fixed and she would get a period every six months and it would seem to be around the same time and i'm like i'm on lola's schedule apparently i'm synced up with her because i get my period when she gets hers so it was like so it was like a little gradual like it seemed like for the first couple of years beforehand i always had it, it was like every three weeks but then it was like every every three months every six months so it kind of whittled down and then I didn't really notice hot flashes because we live on the equator and the sun over here in Florida. So it would be, I would all of a sudden start sweating, but it was also like, well, I live in Florida. It's just here, you know, it's, it's hot outside. Oh, and, okay. but it, but I've never, but it was never the type where I was dripping in sweat, you know, maybe one or two of those I got over the course of three years. Um, but no, I was never uncomfortable dripping in sweat. It was more like I'd get flushed and all of a sudden I was just really hot, but then I was fine after a couple of minutes. And oh, I think you're getting ready to make a whole lot of women mad well, <laughs> or although, jealous. Although, you know, I will say I got it in other ways, like with pain and I was crazy and I you know, wanted to kill my husband and I wanted to like run away and I was emotional. And there was, so there was a, a, that aspect of it, even though I really didn't like put two and two together. It was like, I was having issues and I went to the doctor, to the gynecologist and she sent me for an ultrasound and the, um, the ultrasound tech said, Oh, you don't have any eggs left. Maybe one or two. And I was like, what, excuse me. Like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She's like, oh, you're, oh, you're ovaries. I can't even find them. They're almost gone. And I'm like, what, 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 well, where'd they go? Like, what happened here? And, 
But yeah, no. And, and so in my doctor, she tried to put me on like Prem Pro and that was great. Like the, the first three months of that, I was as happy as a clam and it was great. And I was getting a period again. And then all of a sudden, like I went from zero to crazy really fast and went into a really dark place and got depressed. And I, so I went back and she's like, oh, it's too much. That's too much medicine for you. Let's cut it in half. So we cut it in half and then it still, I still wasn't right. And when I went back and she's like, okay, well, apparently you don't need, you know, it's too much for you. Like, are your symptoms that bad? And I'm like, probably not. I guess not. She's like, I think if you just go cold turkey with nothing, you go, will go through it faster. Let your body do what it's going to do. And I was like, she's like, but do you want me to put you on some antidepressants? And I'm like, no, no, no. Well, actually it reached a point where I was so desperate. I was like, Yes, I'll take some Zoloft. And I took the Zoloft for like two days and I like it had like an adverse reaction. Like I got really angry and felt crazy inside and like rage, full of rage. And I was like, okay, I can't take this. So then it was like, okay, we're just going to let the body do what it's going to do. But yeah, no, my pain levels were different because I have autoimmune. So it was just like a different kind of hell. (laughs) And I didn't sleep and all that stuff. I'm going to skip it then. (laughs) Okay. You skip it. I'm good. I'll I'll, I'll skip it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, you went from, oh, it wasn't that bad to, okay, no, 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 I'm definitely skipping it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm back to my original plan. I'm, I'm just going to skip menopause. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me know how that works out for you. Yeah, definitely. I will. We'll we'll connect again. (laughs) And maybe you'll start a trend. <laughs> hey, I I have been told that I am a manifester. So, hey, skipping it. Yeah. I mean, I I can't manifest the lottery and I can't manifest a man, but um <laughs> I manifest other things. Nobody can manifest a man, that's the thing, or the perfect one at that. <laughs> I don't think he exists. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've veered way off course, because, of course, you know, I should cha- name, change the name of this podcast to Down the Rabbit Hole. Um, <laughs> I saw something the other day and on. It was oh, it was through She Podcasts, like their stuff that they have. Okay. And it was like. Uh, they were like, I was looking at their itinerary for their talks. And one of the talks was what to do when the sub, when your podcast goes off course, like the subject matter. And I'm like, what? Like, that's a problem. Like we just go with it. (laughs) It makes it more interesting. People like that. (laughs) Right. You know, um, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because, um, I just started doing some podcast coaching Mm -hmm. and, I I was meeting with someone and she very much like me, very ADHD. And um, we were talking about niching and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's don't do it. <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't have to niche if you want to. No. There's no rules. Mm-mm. There's no podcast. Police. I don't They're have not one. Gonna come knock on your door. I, and I told her your podcast was one of them. I said, I can tell you two podcasts right now that do not ha- that I listen to that I like listening to, they don't have a niche. Like, it's totally possible. You do what you want to do. Like, it's yours. Yeah. There's no rules. Mm -mm. There's no rules. So it's okay that we go off the rails. (laughs) Exactly, because it's honestly unfiltered. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. There's this lady on um, TikTok that um she lives near me in Clearwater and she her name's Wendy and she covers royal royal news so we mm-hmm. we I don't know if you follow her or not but we go back you know we have a we, you know we correspond back and forth we send each other stuff I've done a, I've been on her lives and we're supposed to get together and do a, a podcast on the royals but we can't seem to like connect where was where was I going with this I had a point I had a point um, I lost it we you said what <laughs> <laughs> was the reasoning for this oh um, niche we were talking about niches no i don't know <laughs> I, I have no idea where that was oh here it goes okay so she 
She always makes a mistake and calls the podcast unhinged, honestly unhinged. She's like, oh, Jenny Thomas from Honestly Unhinged. And it's like, and I was like, you know, and I, I did, you know, tell, I was like, oh, it's unfiltered. She's like, oh, sorry. And I was like, but you know, unhinged, that's more, that sounds like more like it. Like maybe I should change the name to, to honestly unhinged. <laughs> honestly, unfiltered and unhinged, you know. I, I get the mix-ups for um, my podcasts all the time. They're like, love is dead, but your husband, you, yeah, like it's, I get everything except for love is not dead, just my husband. Well, you know what you need to do is you need to start referring to it with maybe some initials or like a shortened version, like Sex in the City, like they used to do like SATC or, and just yeah. like, yeah, like how they do that and stuff. It's a little long. It is a mouthful, but you know. I'm gonna come up with a I'll come up with a <laughs> with an acronym for you. <laughs> okay. You you come up you come up with a an acronym. Yeah. I'll, and we'll see how it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now really back to the subject at hand. Okay. And just like speaking of sex in the city, and just like that season two. What did you think? What do you, what have you thought so far? Um, I, well, I, you know, first of all, they show the previews and you think, um, what's his name? Hayden? Aiden. Aiden. You think he's coming back, but I haven't seen him yet. So it's been three episodes. So I'm like, okay, each episode I'm thinking, when is she gonna run into him? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I think they're doing a pretty good storyline of keeping Carrie as a widow. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just waiting for it to change at some point where at some point she's no longer a widow, but I mean, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job as keeping her as a widow. Mm -hmm. And um, I really liked how was it in the episode I watched last night I can't remember but she runs into another widow mm -hmm. and she's like you know I thought I was doing good and the other lady looks at her and she said oh no honey the second year's worse yes I was <laughs> gonna ask like, you about that yeah she's like what <clears throat> and you know they a lot of people say that you know and they use like the first year as a reference to everything oh the first year of marriage is the hardest the first year at your new job is, you know, the hardest. And, you know, some people say that the first year of grief is the hardest, but for me, I would say it was at least the second or third year because I had so much going on on my first year mm. with, um, your health, you know, being there with my best friend and her grief. And then of course, you know, my grief with my husband, but, all of that got overshadowed by my cancer, mm -hmm. you know, and that was an entire year of just nothing but cancer, cancer, cancer. So I didn't actually start the grieving process of my husband until about a year after he passed away. Then I just started crying for, I mean, uncontrollably for no reason. And then I decided to go to therapy and she just kind of explained that you know I was putting myself and my life first and now that I was starting to you know that was starting to stabilize or whatever things were coming back so um for me definitely the second year was the hardest I and can, then yeah, the third year because I thought I was doing so well and then all of a sudden it's like yeah I'm really not <laughs> Well, you know, I think it's hard because you have to go and, you know, I feel like, and and correct me if I'm wrong, and this is just from a, a witness point of view, from, you know, witnessing it in different people, that maybe the first year is a lot of shock and just raw grief and picking up the pieces. Whereas then the second year and third year, you're now you have to go on without them and you're pulling further away and it's the second birthday and the second anniversary and the third Christmas away from them, that makes it, you know, harder too. Yeah, 
it does. The first year you're just, you're just scrambling, you know, you're just trying to survive and mm-hmm. you're just trying to. Yeah, um, that's it. Exactly. It's trying to survive. Get back to some kind of normalcy because you think that um, if I can just get back to work, I'll be okay. If I can just get back to doing this, I'll be okay. And, you know, you're, you're trying to find normalcy in anything. Yeah. And, um, and then it doesn't, and you might be just skating by and then all of a sudden a holiday comes up or an anniversary and you're like, oh shit, my husband's dead. That's right. We're not celebrating today. And then you go off into crying and staying in the bed or, or you're just like, let's go celebrate his birthday and you get everyone together and you feel really good for just an hour or two while everyone's together and we're all celebrating and we're all talking about him. But then it kind of reminds you back to when he died because then everybody leaves Mm -hmm. and then you go back home and then you're just there by yourself and he's gone. Yeah, and then that's always what I felt like, you know, I have two friends who are widows, and it, it felt important to me to stay in touch with, you know, to, once the funeral's gone over, everybody goes home, and they go back to their normal lives, but I feel like people who lose someone then they're immersed in it. Like they're still in it. Yes. The funeral was yes. a distraction, but now the real life begins picking up the pieces. Yeah. It's kind of um, <clears throat> like out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And for me, after Tom died, I, I moved back home. We were living in Kentucky and that's where his family and his friends were. And then we moved back home and, um, and I just felt, Like I was out of sight, out of mind. So not only was I grieving my husband, but I was also grieving the loss of his family as well. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't hear from anyone. I mean, his brother lives here and I see his brother um, and we have a relationship, but it was like everyone else. And then, and it's just, it's weird because I felt like I'm okay if you forget about me, but I felt like they were forgetting about him. Right. Like, um, how do I explain this? Like, I felt like they should be grieving him as much as I'm grieving him. Right. Like, can you show me that you loved him, that you cared about him? Like he's gone and it's like nothing like I think everybody carries it yeah. differently as you know. Yeah, they now. do. And that's a, that's a, that's just a, that's a something that I've learned over the years. Um, that, um, I, I look more from a different perspective. Like I, tr- I, I think that, um, all grief is grief. All losses are losses. I don't, I no longer, and I did, I held myself in that category, not as, um, I love Tom more than you, so I'm grieving him more than you Mm -hmm. did, right? Not in that aspect, but I was upset or mad because I didn't think people were showing enough grief for him, like siblings or cousins or, but, you know, we all do it differently. And that was something that, um, that I struggled with, with the out of sight, out of mind. I just felt like, I felt like he was being forgotten. And I felt like that I was the only one that was remembering him Mm -hmm. and that no one else was celebrating him unless I was celebrating him. If that makes sense. You know, it totally does. You know, there are people out there that that are selfish and they'll be like, oh, well, he was my husband. Like, why are you upset? Or that's something my mother would do as a narcissist. But you know, things like that. (laughs) You come from the narcissist mother. I mean, for me, I can't speak for any, everyone, but I can say for me, um, I hid a lot of my grief. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't outwardly crying in front of everyone. Um, It would, 
it didn't bother me if someone was showing their grief for Tom or crying in front of me, but because I understand they're grieving him too and they loved him and I appreciate that. But as a widow, sometimes I would be, their emotions would be too much. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I am, um, consoling them you know in that perfect there were in the first season of in just like that it was charlotte was doing that with carrie and it turned out that carrie kept consoling charlotte and there was that scene where they didn't invite her for the delivering of the ashes and she showed up and they're like what are you all doing here you didn't invite me and then finally it was like you get too emotional. I'm consoling you. And I'm, yeah. you know, yeah, it was the same kind. So I guess it, maybe it's common if they touched on it in the series. Yeah, it, it is. But, um, I also think that's not just for widows or yeah, that is in any situation. So like, even with mm. my cancer, um, Throughout that, I had one friend that took me to every visit because she was the one friend that I knew can handle it, mm. that I could be emotional. I could be upset and she would handle it. Mm. Like I only saw her cry once and it was the day of the diagnosis. And then every other, not a tear. If she's crying, she's crying on her own and not in front of me. She held that role of being my person that she can that I can count on Mm -hmm. so I can go get through it and feel my feelings yeah and um but that's I think that's in a lot of areas right but grieving is definitely one of them when someone is grieving they don't want to feel like they have to console the other person and I know that that is a fine line for other people to carry um <clears throat> i mean it's definitely okay to show your emotions and show that you care because we appreciate that i mean you showing um you know expressions of love and grief and stuff that does let us know that you love them but when it starts to overshadow um or be so much in a way where we have to console you that's that's a bit much. And then you just have to decide, are you going to say something or mm-hmm. not? Because that's the thing. People don't know. Right. People don't know if you don't tell them. Mm-hmm. They don't, they absolutely have no idea. So I don't blame people when they do that. And I try not to get upset because I know in my heart that I don't want to say something, you know, mean to someone. Right. Like, could you please tone it down a bit but (laughs) but through my experience when I'm around someone who's grieving um yes I may shed a tear or whatever or and I do show um you know I try to show empathy and that I care and let them know but I try not to be too much because I don't want I want them to feel like I'm there for them Mm -hmm. and that you know they're not being there for me. And then do you find that you have people in your life that will just avoid you or did in the beginning because they didn't know what to say or do? Oh, yeah. I've been guilty absolutely. of that in my life. I've been with, with people yeah. that are acquaintances. I've been, I've been guilty of that. Yeah. And I think that goes to maybe that old saying, like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And it's not that you don't have anything nice to say. You just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. So you just don't say anything. Um, I can see that both ways. I, you know, sometimes I don't want someone to say something Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's what you need. You don't, you don't need words because words aren't going to fix it. Right. Right. There's, there's not a word and, um, people get tired of hearing, I'm sorry. And, um, the one thing that is like the worst thing to say when someone is grieving, especially in the beginning is, how are you? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I was fine until you asked. (laughs) 
I I made an I made a mistake once years and years and years ago, and I was in my twenties, and I don't know if it's really you call it a mistake, but my best friend her her husband oh no her husband her um father died, and it was the day of, and I was leaving the house, and when I hugged her, I said it's gonna be okay, and she said no, it's not, and it's never gonna be, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Never say that again. <laughs> never say that again. To anyone grieving. Well, in actuality, everything is going to be okay. Yeah, it's true. Right? Eventually. It's, maybe not tomorrow, maybe five years from now, but eventually. Yeah. Everything is going to be okay. It It is. But when you're in that space, that's not what you want to hear. Right. I agree. But I, I don't think they're, I mean, then that just depends on the person. That just depends on the person and where they're at and how they're handling it. Like you could have said it's going to be okay um, at a different moment in that day. Mm -hmm. And it would have been perfectly fine. She would have, she would have probably looked at you and said, Jen, thank you so much. I, I needed that. Right. But it just so happened to be in that very moment, what she was experiencing she didn't want to hear. Right. It's going to be okay. Maybe, maybe something better would have been, I'm here for you. Or, you know, let me know if you need anything. Um, Maybe something like that. But it just, you know, it's hard to read the room when someone's grieving. It is. Because a widow, we can look okay. But it might just, I mean, anything can set you off. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm it's, sure. I'm it's sure. Like being bi it's like being bipolar. <laughs> anything anything can set you off. I was I was at um I was at a restaurant um one day and someone come up to me <clears throat> and apparently they had just heard that Tom had mm. died. And uh well no wait. No, that was another time. This time someone, they didn't know that Tom had died. And it was, I don't know, at least two years, two, three years. It was way after. And they're like, oh my God, you moved home. And I'm like, yeah, I've been here for, you know, a couple of years now. And they're like, oh, how is Tom? I haven't seen him in forever. Mm. And I said, he's dead. <clears throat> Silence, huh? And, and they're just like, <laughs> you're so funny. No, he's dead. He died three years ago in a sleep. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. But, you know, it had been a couple years. Right. Why was, they didn't know. And I was so, it just. It like just triggered you. And I was there and I was having a good time and it just triggered me. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, he's dead. Like, like I just snapped. They didn't, they I didn't know. I snapped. Yeah. They didn't know. And they didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve it. I mean, I could have said something like, oh, I'm sorry. You didn't know that Tom had died. But I also find when I say something like that, then they start getting upset. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. But then in my head, I'm not. I'm trying to translate it because I have been dealing with him being dead for a few years now and they're just now finding out. And then I'm kind of like sucked back annoyed. into it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, can we not cry? Like the tears it's, I know you're just finding out, but it's too much for me. Like going to have to end this conversation. It was really good seeing you though. Bye. <laughs> Well, yeah, because then you got to relive it. You got to tell the story. What happened? Go, and you know, it's running into people from your past. I, I know, you know, from seeing people that I know, it's do it. It's, yeah, you run into someone from, a, you know, we always say before and after from before that other life. And it, it, either they haven't seen you since or they don't know. And then you've got to go through the entire thing. And then you've got to be back in the moment. And it's a lot. It's draining. And then you're upset for yeah. the day. Yeah. I've, I've gotten it down to just a few sentences. <laughs> Tom's dead. And Tom's dead. 
was in his sleep. And, end of story. <laughs> well, you know, and depending on the situation and who it is, I do just come out and say, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> he died. And a friend of mine asked me, they're like, why do you say that? And I'm like, what, that he's dead? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, because he is. And they're like, no, it's just how you say it. He died. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. Would it make you feel better if I say Tom passed away? <laughs> well, he didn't. He died. And I'm still a little pissed about it. So I'm just going to keep saying he died. That's me expressing my anger. <laughs> I am still angry that he died. So he's dead. He died. Maybe one day when I'm feeling better about it, he would have passed away. But right now he's just dead. <laughs> I did. I did love your photo shoot at his tombstone. The, the graveyard yes shoot? the graveyard shoot that was wonderful i think that more people should embrace it those things you know brace that side yeah. of it yeah we were um i was i was so nervous about that and um when i met with tina she's the photographer um castile studios and boudoir um i met her and we just hit it off and she wanted to help me with the photos and the branding. And the day we had our first meeting and we were having conversations and we both looked at each other at the exact same time and said graveyard. <laughs> and I'm like, do you think it's too much? And she said, no. Mm -mm. She said, you figure out the outfit. I will figure out the place. And um, she found the perfect place. It was an abandoned graveyard in Wilmington. So that wasn't Tom's graveyard. No. Okay. No. I thought he's, it was. No, he's actually cremated. Okay. All right. So, yeah. Okay. But it was an abandoned graveyard. And when we went out there to do the shoot, uh, a lady in the neighborhood came up just to ask what we were doing. We told her what we were doing. We told her that, you know, my husband was dead. I had a podcast and, you know, um, it was a way to memorialize or, you know, honor him. It was just, you know, that was the purpose. She thought that that was great. Mm -hmm. She loved it. She said that she is head of the committee that um, cared for that, that grave site. Because it was a it was abandoned. Okay. And they go in, they have cleaned it all up. They take care of the headstones. There's these they're so old that no one, half of them aren't Marked. identifiable. Oh, yeah. Right. And um, she said no one comes to visit anyone there, but that's how they pay their respects. They clean it, they take care of it, and they're still finding graves how old is this is it like 1700s ish so earlier than that i would like to say that i know but yeah. i don't okay i could get the information <laughs> i'm a history buff share it with <laughs> oh i you know what i will call tina i'll send her a message and i'll ask her for the information about the graveyard but the lady was so nice and she's like yeah do whatever you want she goes i think that's great so, and I love Wilmington. Wilmington is one of my top favorite cities in the entire country. New York City and then Wilmington runs a close second. Mm, yeah, I like Wilmington. Yeah. Maybe I should move there. But those are some of my favorite pictures. I I really enjoyed that photo shoot. Yeah, whoever and and all I I find like all of your pay, pictures in general for the podcast that they're all great. Whoever is is Tina doing all of them or did she just do the the graveyard? No, she did. She did all of them. Yeah, she's yeah. excellent at what she does. I was like, yeah. damn, I got. I every time I see every time I see your photos, I'm like, I really got to get some photos taken. Like I'm still using my real realtor headshot from like three years ago for everything. It's like and it's just so boring. And I'm like, ugh, I've got to get yeah. photos done. Yeah. 
My next photo shoot is a boudoir photo shoot. Ooh, that'll help you on Bumble. <laughs> uh, um, I'm actually not on I'm, any dating I'm, apps. I'm teasing, right yeah. <laughs> Do they have but, a dating app for widows? Out of curiosity? Um, I have heard that there is. But, you know, I think that's a little weird. Yeah. Widows finding other widows. I mean, I know it happens frequently. Yeah, it does. I was just, um, I have a widow friend. Um, his name is Vince. I'm just going to say his name. Uh, he was the first person that I met on a dating app. I signed up for Match. <laughs> I thought Match was for older people, so I should be on Match. And because I didn't understand the dating apps or what they were, I thought his profile said he was interested in widows. And I thought, okay. that's weird. I'm going to figure out, I'm going to find out what this is about. And there was something funny he said in his profile, and I used Google Translate to figure it out. I'm like, yeah. And he was actually laughing at me the other day. We were talking about that. And he's like, yeah, you're like, he's into widows, and I have Google Translate, so this is going <laughs> to be good. So... I sent him a message and we ended up going out on a date and um, our first date was at Starbucks. We were getting some coffee. It was like a three and a half hour therapy crying session for both of us. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure because you, you're, because you could both relate into yes. what you're going through. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But we've, we've been friends ever since. And um, he is not interested in me in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Or you, him, probably. <laughs> and it's okay. So, yeah, I definitely don't think we're compatible in any way. But um, we're really good friends. I mean, it's been almost three years. And uh, we were just actually having a conversation the other day about dating apps and, like, where he's at and what he's doing. Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm sure it's a double-edged sword when it comes to that because it could be comforting. But then also sometimes you want to forget about it. Yes. You know, in that moment, like you don't want to forget about them, but you want in that moment, you don't want to grieve. You just want to be, you know, for yeah. maybe an hour or two, just have your mind off of everything. Yeah. And um, I think that for me is what a lot of what my podcast is about. Um, it's about moving forward, mm -hmm. right? It's finding acceptance and moving forward. You know, that sixth stage of grief, mm -hmm. you know, finding meaning and purpose. And um I don't like to talk about death and grief all the time. Yeah. And it's it seems weird because that's what the podcast is or seems to be, but it's um I just I just want people to know that, you know, moving forward is okay. Mm -hmm. Being happy is okay. Like you are alive. Right. Life goes like on. Like you like do you really think your person would not want you to be happy? Mm -mm. And I know there's a lot of people who know that their spouse is dying and they have time to have those conversations, right. right? You know, I'm dying. I want you to move on. I want you to find someone. I want you. It, I don't think there's anyone that's dying that is looking at their spouse and saying, do not remarry. <laughs> I don't want you to be happy. I want you to be miserable for the rest of your life. You know, they say people know when they're going to die. Right. They start doing things and saying things. So for Tom, about a year before he died, he was getting a little morbid. I'm not going to lie. He he was a little morbid. He would say the damnedest things. All of a sudden he would be like, if I died, would you do this? And I'm like, Don't talk about stuff like that. That's just weird. What, what are you? You know, or he, he was a really big guy. He was six, three, like 300 pounds. He would lay on the couch and he'd say, pick me up. <sighs> pick you up. And here I am pulling on his arm and he's like dead weight. And he's like, what are you going to do if I have a heart attack and you can't pick me up? I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, are you serious right now? Well, first of all, if you're having a heart attack, I'm not going to be trying to pick you up. I'm going to be calling 911. Mm -hmm. But like, why are you saying stuff like this? And one time we did have a conversation. He's like, if I die, would you remarry? I'm like, 
do you want me to remarry? Because I love you so much that I would not remarry if you told me not to remarry. Like I would just join a convent if that's what you wanted. And I know that's kind of funny now, but that's the type of person that I was in my marriage that if he would have said, I don't want you to remarry, I would have been like, I'm not going to do it. Never look at another man again for the rest of my life because that's what he wanted. But he didn't say stuff like that. Right. He would say, if I died, you should remarry. I want you to be happy. And I'm thinking, shut up talking about that. But we did have those conversations, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. My husband and I joke, we, you know, joke with each other and we've, cause we've had the conversations and we have both said, I have no desire to ever be married again. Like if I met someone, I don't want to marry them. I don't want to live with them. I'll date them, but I have no desire to do this shit. Again. Well, I can't say that I have a desire to yeah. marry and I can't say that I have a desire to even live with anyone. And I, I and I say that I have a great husband and I say that like loosely, like I would, you know what I mean? Like it's like, I, I'm not, I don't hate him. And you know, like it's, it's just like one of those, like, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But I do have a desire to be with someone. Yes. Cause, cause we're human. We're human and we all have needs and it gets lonely by yourself. Yeah. But I'm kind of at that stage where it's like, I want what I want when I want it and like kind of how I want it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like, can you just be what I want you to be for this particular amount of time? And then I'll call you when I need that again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I seriously, like I want, I would want those things. I would want the companionship that maybe the travel boom, chicka boom, boom. And maybe <laughs> dinners and movies. I have no desire to ever pick up after anybody again or do anybody's laundry or cook for them or clean for them. Or if I make a mess, then I, I, I clean my own mess. Like my house sometimes is a disaster because the family, they do their boys, they do stuff. They leave stuff everywhere. But like, I have no desire to do that again. Like, no. Right. I want the right. good. I want the good things. And then you go home. I can see me living with someone and they're like, leave it. And I'm like, are you going to pick that up? Yeah, no. Are you going to wash that? And he's going to be like, well, aren't you going to do it? And I'm like, why? Do you not know how? (laughs) My husband was gone for a month in April. He went to Oklahoma for training for work. Two weeks later, he and my son went away for a week for graduate for my son's graduation trip. This is the three and a half weeks he was gone. Like I cleaned the house. It didn't get messed up. I had everything where I wanted it. It really didn't hit till the second time. He got home and he's walking through the door and he's like, this bag of laundry is dirty and this bag is clean. And he puts it in front of me in the kitchen and I go, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, are you telling me this because you want me to do that laundry? And he was little, he looked at me like I had 10 heads and he's like, no, 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 no I'll, I'll deal with it. And I was like, okay, good. And I turned around and I walked away. And then like hours later, I went in the bedroom and there was this, his suitcase was like on my side of the bed, like in front where I get into bed. And I'm like, I looked at him and I'm like, why is this here? And, and I, he just looked at me and I said, is this here? Cause you want me to unpack it for you and put everything away. Is that why it's here? And he goes, well, what's the problem? And I go, the problem is, is I'm not putting away your shit. And he's like, I didn't ask you to, I'm going to put it away myself. And I said, okay. And I rolled it over back to his side of the bed. And I go in the the living room and I sit down with my son and finish watching what we were watching. And then like five minutes later, I see him like walking around the house, like putting his stuff away. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, you you wanted me to do that for you. They'll put a set of glass. No, that doesn't go there. I was really bad for like the first couple of weeks after they got back. It was bad. Um, Settled into you being used to their messiness, but yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I don't know that I'm ready for all that yet. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I don't blame you in the least. You'll know when you meet the right person. I mean, who knows? I'm, I may want to clean up after somebody again. I may want to cook for someone again. It may be <laughs> if you love them enough to do that. There you go. I'd have to love them enough to want to do that. Yes, exactly. So back to Sex in the City or and just like that season two. Yeah. I think I feel like our, the first season was horrific because Mr. Big died and, you know, Carrie and her unimaginable grief and all of that and knowing and and I think they got that very right all of it 
And I, but I, and I feel like now the second season has more of a feel to the original series, if that makes sense. It's lighter. Yes. It's lighter. The the quips are there. That it's um. I don't know. I just I feel like it has more of a feel that the original series did. Yes, because I think in the so I loved Sex in the City, the oh, so series, me, me too. and and the movies. Yeah, me too. Like, I I you know all of it. I I feel like it kind of is the same as it was in the original series as it is now mm-hmm. because in the original series it was all about Carrie discovering who she was and finding herself and finding love then of course the movies all wrapped it up she got that love right and then so now she's lost that love And season two, I think, is the moving forward Mm -hmm. because they're not going to make a series that's too much about grief. No, Mm -mm. yeah, it's no one's going to watch that, (laughs) but I it's but it is it's Carrie again finding herself and discovering who she is now. And I do like the reference of her going and buying all the shoes Mm -hmm. because she said that lady said to her, (laughs) do what you love, do what makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. And is that not what all the series and the movies, every, every episode had a reference to Carrie With those shoes, Mm -hmm. with shoes. Oh, yeah. Everything. It's always been about the shoes. That was her joy. Mm -hmm. And then when she came in with all those bags, I'm like, let it be shoes. Let it be shoes. (laughs) Let it be shoes. And then she pulled out those shoes. And I'm not going to lie. I started crying. Because. She found what back to her roots. That's what brought her joy. Mm -hmm. She is back in her old apartment. Because that's what brought her joy. She's now her shoes. She pulled out the shoes. I think we're going to see more reference of shoes. But yeah, it's going back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Because now she's discovering life in a whole new way. With a whole new set of eyes. With a whole new perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I feel... Okay, now this is way off subject on this, but... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the movies, the first one and the second one, Carrie's apartment got a remodel and it was gorgeous. And I feel like in, in just like that, it's back to the way it was in the series. And am I right? It, or it's, there, it's not as it's not as redone as it was in the movies or the second one, especially. Was it in the series or the movies? She at one point, she bought the apartment next door. That was in, oh no, in the movie, or sorry, in the series, she bought her apartment and Aiden sold the other half. He had bought both. Aiden bought both when they got engaged. And then when they broke up, she bought hers from Aiden. And then I guess he must have sold the other half. But I thought that's how she got the closet. You know what? Now I want to go I'm gonna back. Have to go back and I'm and going to watch, watch yeah. because the apartment does seem smaller. And I remember at one point that wall opened up mm-hmm. for the apartment next door to make it bigger. Ooh, I'm gonna have to watch the movies today. I'm well. I don't have time to binge watch the Sex and the City movies today, but now I'm definitely gonna go back and watch the movies i'll do it while i'm i while i'm organizing my home office here <laughs> but now i don't remember if it was in the movie or if it was in the series i guess we'll see we'll have to meet back up in a couple of weeks and figure it out <laughs> <laughs> that's our assignment right <laughs> yeah i can i can do that i can go back and watch the sex in the city. yeah okay so that's our assignment, and I'm hoping. See, I have a long. T- I have. I have an ultimate. I have an ulterior motive here. That in maybe a couple of weeks, we'll, you'll come back and we'll touch on this more of the series again. 
Yeah. And maybe and maybe there'll be some sex in my city. Maybe. Maybe maybe I will have magically met someone. <laughs> you never know. You never know. He could be he could be he could rear end you. He could be the police officer that officer that comes to the scene. That's happened to two of my aunts. They were what? Oh yeah. Two of my aunt. One was my grandfather's sister. She was single, well into her forties. And she lived down the street from my grandparents and my mother when they were growing up that, you know, everyone used to tell her, you need to get out. You need to do this. You need to go here because you need to meet somebody, your young girl. And she'd say, I'm going to meet a man when God brings him to me. Lo and behold, no, I, I think he like moved in next door or something like that. But then I have another aunt. This is my grandmother's sister where she same thing. She was the youngest of eight, and people used to tell her, you need to go out. You need to hear. You're there. Because they were, came from, uh, it was old-fashioned Italian family. Like, yeah, they told me, my grandparents told me, you don't need to go to college. You're going to marry a man. He's going to take care of you. And I was like, yeah, no, wrong century. So she was into her 40s, and she'd say, when, I, when, 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 I, when I'm ready to meet a man, God will send him to me. One day, she got rear-ended. I'm not sure. I can't remember if she got rear-ended or if she was speeding. I think she got rear-ended. And the police officer that came to the scene liked her, asked her out on a date. They got married and they had a they had a daughter and they lived happily ever after. Well, you know, my son just gave me his Mustang. Yes. And my son was very jealous. (laughs) That is um, a very nice Mustang GT. So I think I'm going to do a little speeding. (laughs) Don't end up in jail. I I saw a few things um, that I want to get at Trader Joe's. So I think I'm going to like hot tail it to Raleigh today and just go 95 down the highway. Well, I I noticed you have a five speed there. So you should definitely, you know, pop the clutch and, you know, squeal some tires. You know, I did try to squeal tires. I don't know how to do that. I can't. I did. I tried it once or twice and it didn't. You have to keep it, put it. Okay. I'm I'm teaching how to be bad. I used to have a stick. You, I drove a stick for years, every car. You have to. Okay. So you're in first gear. You have your foot on the clutch. You rev it. You you know, you kind of rev it, like get the RPMs up. And then as it's like, like after you're comfortable where it is, then you quickly pop your foot off the clutch and hit the, and hit the gas really hard. Oh, you got to do it quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. You have to do it really quick. It's like pop, you know, like, you're like, you know, like, yeah. And if I ever come meet you, I know what we're doing. I'm teaching you how to pop the clutch. <laughs> you want me out? I'll, I'll just have to drive down to Florida. Yeah. Or meet my, or I'll meet you in Wilmington. <laughs> Ooh, there we go. Yeah. No, I do get, um, I do feel like this, car should be um well it's a you know they say hot muscle cars are chick magnets Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's gonna be a man magnet it will be like a lot of people are like that's a nice car it is yeah yeah I'm just waiting for you know someone to come up and be like I really like your car and be like (laughs) did you keep the jeep also did you keep the jeep you got rid of it no I got rid of the jeep well, so then you, yeah, you have no option. You have to drive it. I do. I do. So um, maybe I should just get out more. And um... there you go. <laughs> that's your assignment. Now that's your assignment. So you have two assignments for next for until next time we meet back up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Watch uh, Sex in the City movies. Go back and rewatch those so we can figure out what happened to Carrie's apartment. Mm-hmm. And um, pick up a man in my new Mustang GT. Mm-hmm. And try to pop the clutch. Oh, and pop the clutch. I'm sorry. I totally missed that. I was just that picking up a man. <laughs> no, you know, that's more important than popping the clutch. But I think popping the clutch might help you meet that man. <laughs> hey, or if you find a cute guy, like in one of those, go to one of, go to one of those car shows or mechanics or to a mechanic, be like, can you show me how to pop my clutch? That could be taken several ways, but <laughs> now that I think about it. That's, that's, that's a good line. No pun when intended. The, when, when the police pull me over, mm-hmm. I'll be like, I'm just trying to pop my clutch. <laughs> never done it before. I've never done it before. I'm a virgin. Well, move over, baby. Let me show you how it's done. <laughs> One could hope, right? Right. Oh, goodness. 
Well, thank you for coming on with me. Um, and yeah. being, even being here today, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it and I can't wait for you to come back again. And, you know, as we watch the series and it's always a joy to have you here. Thank you so much. It's so fun. And Rebecca's, um, information will be in the show notes so you can find her website, her, um, podcast there. Yes. And you can also listen to me on honestly unhinged. <laughs> there you go. The Honestly Unhinged podcast. podcast. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Jen. <laughs>